Hi, welcome to Podcast 64, brought to you by Help with Parkinson's. Our guest today is Dr. Supermanian, movement disorder specialist at Hershey Medical Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I'm your host, Warren Budfinick. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sue. Hi, uh, thanks, Warren, again. And thanks for um, having me on the show again. Um, I thought we could address today um, an interesting um, new study that got published um, recently and a review article that came along with it. Good. And um, so just to give a little background about the study, um, constipation is a very common finding in Parkinson's disease. As you might know, Warren, um, up to 90% of uh, Parkinson patients have constipation. And um, very often constipation can occur um, many, many years ahead of the onset of the classic symptoms of Parkinson's, which include tremor, slowness, uh, balance issues, so on and so forth. In fact, there are some studies indicate that constipation can be uh, ahead of the game by 10 or 15 years and sometimes even 20 years. So uh, it's been increasingly recognized that constipation may be the first symptom of Parkinson's. Uh, and it's considered a non-motor symptom, uh, although uh, bowel movement is actually a movement. So if you think about it that way, um, it's actually a movement disorder but, um, and, and a motor symptom. But technically speaking, uh, we consider constipation as a non-motor because normally when you say motor, you're talking about movement externally while you walk or move your hand or things like that. Uh, so this particular study, uh, which we're talking about today, is called the CARMET study, K-A-R-M-E-T, CARMET study. And uh, it was preceded by another study, which just recently got published, and that's what caught the press attention. So the story goes that many years ago, um, I, I want to say 10, 15 years ago, uh, some scientists were looking at uh, the dogfish shark. This is an animal that lives in the Pacific Ocean, but it's also common in other oceans. It's also seen in the Atlantic Ocean. In fact, um, it's one of the uh, types of sharks that is um, fished, and people do uh, use this as uh, a food because uh, this particular shark is plentiful. Now, it turns out that just like humans have epidemics of flu, there are flu-like illnesses that occur in the ocean. And it turns out that the dogfish shark is pretty much immune to these flu attacks, although many other uh, fish in the ocean die or become really sick uh, because of the flu-like illness. Now, the scientists who were studying this discovered that one of the reasons why the dogfish shark escapes from the flu is because in its bile, this is the secretion from the liver, there is a particular substance. And this particular substance was called squalamine, S-Q-U-A-L-A-M-I-N-E. It's a classic bile salt, very similar to bile salts that we as humans produce. And it turns out that it protects, this particular bile salt protects 
the shark from viruses that go into the gut. So the scientists decided to make the same substance, squalamine, and test it in patients who had cancer, especially cancer of the stomach or the colon. They tested it because they wanted to see if um, this particular substance can prevent viral infections. Well, it could also prevent cancer, which are caused by viruses. But uh, it wasn't very successful. One of the benefits, even though it didn't cure cancer, was that it, it did cure constipation in these cancer patients. So uh, long story short, it turned out that um, this drug could be used for the treatment of um, constipation, and not just in cancer patients, but also um, in other situations. So more recently, um, a small company based outside of Philadelphia um, had begun testing uh, squalamine, especially the synthetic form of squalamine for constipation. And a study just got recently published and that particular study, they had examined a large number of patients, uh, 40 or 50 of them, and it was an open-label study, meaning patients knew what they were getting, and uh, the doctors also knew what they were getting. And they found that uh, without many side effects, it was a significant improvement for constipation. And the way they did the study, uh, they removed the patients, otherwise whatever they usually take, like for example, suppositories or uh, laxatives, they took all of that away from the patient and just gave this particular drug, the squalamine, as a pill. Now, the most interesting thing about this whole uh, study is that this particular substance, squalamine, does not enter the bloodstream at all so you take it orally and you try to measure how much of it is in the blood, very little, less than 0.2% of what is consumed orally actually enters the bloodstream. So this is unique, right? And whenever we think of any medicine, we typically take orally, the medicine actually gets into your bloodstream and then it goes to the rest of your body, including your brain. But here's a drug that simply goes into your stomach and into the colon, and it simply gets excreted in your stool, and it doesn't get absorbed into the bloodstream or go to any other part of the body, yet it does remove or produces constipation uh, in, in patients. So uh, one intriguing aspect that the scientists who, who started working with this drug is to find out how exactly does it do the job. Now it turns out that squalamine is able to stimulate the colonic motility, meaning how the colon moves by stimulating the nervous system, the enteric nervous system, the nerves that go into the gut and make them contract without getting into the bloodstream. So it's almost like an ointment that is applied on the inside of your bowels. And it makes this nervous system that that supplies the bowel uh, stimulated. Now add to that, 
these folks who are studying squalamine also tested the effects of squalamine in animal models. And here they found something really intriguing. As we have discussed in previous podcasts, one of the proteins that are abnormal in Parkinson's disease is a protein called alpha-synuclein. And we already discussed that alpha-synuclein might accumulate in the stomach and the colon, and it may be the nidus for uh, problems in the brain, and that the alpha-synuclein might go up via the vagus nerve, the 10th cranial nerve, all the way into the medulla. From the medulla, it might go into the substantia nigra. And we've discussed this in previous podcasts that there are many people who believe in this so-called Brock hypothesis. Well, it turns out the squalamine uh, prevents accumulation of alpha-synuclein in the stomach. So when they tested it in animal models, they found out that uh, instead of aggregating and forming what we call Lewy bodies, these alpha-synuclein no longer formed um, Lewy bodies in the gut when they were treated with squalamine. That's pretty exciting because not only can you get constipation under control, but you may actually be able to prevent um, alpha-synuclein accumulation in the gut and in this manner prevent the patient from developing more advanced Parkinson's. So um, there is a review article that just got published in Gastroenterology um, last week, and it's authored by the people, the scientists who were involved in the, in the original RASMET study, R-A-S-M-E-T study, uh, where they did the open-label trial of squalamine in PD. And uh, they detail all these findings, the fact that Constipation got better, but also in animal studies, they showed that uh, it also uh, removed alpha-synuclein from the gut. So the combination of the two things uh, seems like um, it can do some really magic here. Uh, as far as the listeners are concerned, um, and some listeners who may be listening to the podcast may have participated in the research study, this study is indeed going on here at Hershey. And we have already enrolled um, eight patients into this constipation study. And we're looking to enroll more patients, up to another 10 more patients when we enrolled into this CARMET study. Now this study is a double-blind placebo-controlled study. So half the people will, will be getting the real drug and the other half of the people will be getting a placebo drug. And of course, these type of uh, placebo-controlled double-blind studies are the uh, hallmarks of good scientific research. So we can't really say whether the results will be positive or negative, but uh, every indication from previous studies is that it will actually work, and it'll actually work in two ways. One, it will uh, help with constipation, and two, it will uh, also potentially change the course of disease in patients who are participating in such research, research studies. Um, I will pause there very briefly just for Warren to ask any questions regarding the study, but I do want to um, speak after Warren speaks um, uh, and asks his clarification generally about constipation in PD and what we've learned from this study. Okay. Uh, 
So do you expect the uh, alpha-synuclein to end up in the toilet? Is that the type of, is it a, like a brush that's brushes it out with the... Uh, uh, no, so it's a bit more complicated than that. Um, so it turns out that all humans then, uh, have alpha-synuclein in our cells. And it's important to have alpha-synuclein uh, in the normal fashion uh, because it's a healthy component of our, of our uh, cells. If you don't have alpha-synuclein, actually it's bad news. So you want to have uh, your alpha-synuclein. What you want to prevent is for alpha-synuclein to misfold. So when, when uh, the protein starts misfolding, that's when the trouble happens. It, it, we think that squalamine is able to prevent the misfolding of alpha-synuclein by simply um, displacing the, um, the bound form of alpha-synuclein from the cell membrane, on the inside cell membrane. Bottom line is that it prevents uh, alpha-synuclein from becoming bad form and keep it in the good form. Uh, so it doesn't flush in the toilet, but it does stay healthy within the cells in the gut. You know, so the stomach mucosal cells and the colonic mucosal cells have a healthy form of alpha-synuclein and it prevents them from becoming um, the unhealthy form, what we call the oligomeric form right. of alpha-synuclein. And just one more question. <laughs> How does this compare to, I don't know if anybody's done a study with lactulose. Right. So uh, all the other drugs that they have for constipation, and there are many, there are four or five newer drugs that are comfortable, cancer patients, for example, they all act uh, via what's called serotonin receptors. They may stimulate them. And of course, the traditional methods for treating, such as lactulose, uh, colase, bisacridil, which is a, a dalcolax, um, and then simple things like prune juice, um, herbal teas, uh, like soft move, um, all these things, all the different modalities, none of them, to our knowledge, actually um, do anything to the alpha-synuclein in the gut. Uh, this is, squalamine is the first one that we know may be a, capable of preventing oligomerization of the alpha-synuclein, which is really a, a remarkable thing that we didn't expect it to show, but it, it, it did show that. Second thing is that um, we also know that the way we are using, as I mentioned before, uh, the squalamine never enters the bloodstream. So its safety profile is extraordinary in that all it can, is capable of doing is to produce a mild GI discomfort like nausea. Even that, we didn't see a whole lot. Uh, or if you give too much of this medicine, you can obviously produce some diarrhea. But um, overall, it's a very well-tolerated drug with very little side effects. It sounds like it's, you're looking for like a unifying theory of, right. of the exactly. constipation right. causing the alpha-synuclein right. or one exactly. or the other first. Exactly. And also the fact that you can stimulate the nervous system of the gut and make, the, make it move more. Right. Uh, it's also exciting. Right? Sounds promising. Right. So let's just briefly touch upon constipation because I think for people who don't go into this research study, they still want to answer the question of how do I take care of my constipation? Um, we have touched upon this in other, other uh, 
podcast, but this is relevant and it's probably what works repeated. Uh, as most people know, the number one enemy that causes constipation is not drinking sufficient water. Uh, if you think about it, water is important to keep the stool moist. Um, it's also important to drink water to cause what we call peristalsis, gut mobility, gut movement. And why is that? Um, water is sensed by the body as having no caloric value. And when you drink water, it immediately causes the gut to go into peristalsis. And it allows the water to propel itself very quickly from the mouth all the way down to the anus because the body knows that it doesn't have caloric value and it can allow the fluid to transmit itself during, into the gut and different portions of the gut fairly quickly. So one of the key things to prevent constipation is to drink sufficient water. Uh, the recommendation is about six to eight glasses of water every day. You can even um, use the water as an excuse every time you swallow a pill. And most Parkinson patients are taking pills uh, you know, three to four times a day. So uh, you could use that as an excuse to take the um, water. Um, the second thing, as many of you know, there are many over-the-counter remedies such as um, you know, prune juice, prunes, uh, herbal teas, even some uh, medicines such as um, Dalcolax, uh, which is a laxative, uh, can be given orally. Colase, another example. And many, many such examples are there for over-the-counter remedies for constipation. Um, there are also suppositories. Instead of taking medicine by mouth, you can also insert them through the anus. And there's um, suppositories of Dalcolax. Um, and then finally, of course, if nothing works, you can also give yourself an enema. And enemas are um, forcible injection of liquid, uh, which can stimulate gut mobility through the anus or the rectum. So um, you have all these choices, uh, but as I mentioned already, none of them actually uh, prevent um, alpha-synuclein accumulation in the gut. Um, although it's controversial and it's not uh, established science, there is a very strong indication that uh, removing alpha-synuclein from its toxic form and making it less toxic will definitely give patients a heads up in their treatment. So um, that's the story. And uh, I think it's pretty interesting and exciting story. But um, Warren, your thoughts? That sounds like it could be promising, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, constipation is there anyway, and also the alpha-synuclein. So if you can get rid of both, right. that could be a right. pretty good. Yeah, so um, this is one of the big stories this week. Um, and I guess we'll sign off for today and have another story for um, you next week. Yeah, let me just ask you a quick question. Yes. And, uh, I was in a uh, program with my computer that it was millions of people in the world were, were tracking the folding of proteins. Mm. Is that similar to what, what could help Parkinson's with alpha-synuclein? Yeah, so the misfolding of proteins is a common theme. It happens in Alzheimer's disease. It happens in 
Parkinson's disease. And uh, in fact, people think it might be happening in ALS as well, um, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis as well. Uh, what it is is that when our body produces a protein, it has four different structures. One is called the primary structure, then you have the secondary structure, then you have the tertiary structure, and finally you have a quaternary structure. So the, you can think about them as the first order, second order, third order, and a fourth order. And obviously by the time it gets to the fourth order, it's very complex. It's already uh, had a lot of configurational changes. And the way proteins behave this way is by a sequential process of folding. Now, um, it's almost like if you were to pleat, um, like a, you know, something like an accordion, for example, where you have to pleat it. If the pleats are not formed in uniform order and there's some uh, misfolding, the folds are not folded correctly, then that can cause the body to reject the protein. So the way the body rejects the protein is to put a misfolded protein into something called a proteasome. Proteasomes are basically like trash baskets. And normally when an abnormal protein goes into the trash basket, it gets immediately digested and excreted. But what happens with misfolded protein where the folding didn't happen correctly is that they jam up the trash uh, setup. So they go into the trash setup, the proteasome, but it kind of doesn't come out because it blocks the, the different channels that are there. So then there's accumulation of alpha synuclein and also these channel proteins that are now not working. Uh, this is the combination that's lethal and it's really problematic for many patients. What, what would sharing the computers do? I know it gives you more brain power, but what is it looking for when, it, when it's using thousands of computers to figure out the misfolding? Yeah, so uh, the computer exercise is just basically giving more power. Mm -hmm. So when you have multiple computers parallelly looking at different proteins, looking for folding, you may be able to see some patterns that's not pretty visible to a small team or a team of um, physicians. And that's why AI technology, artificial intelligence mm -hmm. technology is slowly picking up to figure this out. Okay, so, so you think that's something that would be worth trying to get people involved with? Yeah, of course. I mean, any technological, any research, uh, both technical as well as intellectual are right. just, just purely welcome. Good. Well, thanks for your talk, Dr. Sue. All right. Very nice. Bye. Okay, bye.